Just so glad to have you guys here in the room with us. I'm so glad we could have Kay come and speak to us. She's probably a bit nervous, but um, I just as she comes, just you know, what we do really well is we encourage people really well. So I just want you to encourage Kay as she comes forward. And also just be in a tune, just actually ask God, even as she comes and speaks, because God has deposited something in Kay over her lifetime that is now at the point where we can actually receive some goodness that God has imparted to her. So as Kay comes up now, I'll I'll pray for her. Give her a big round. Yeah. Let me, just, let me just pray for you, Kay, and then we'll hand it over to you. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you have uh, blessed us with this wonderful lady. We thank you that we can call her our sister in Christ, and we just thank you for the, the goodness you have put in her over the many years, and we pray that this time now that she would just be able to share from her heart what you have done in her life. Uh, and we just pray, Lord Jesus, that there would be that, that word that just pierces directly into our very inner person and just speaks truth that can set people free but also can allow us to come into a deeper relationship with you. So just pray for Kay right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Ashley. Hello, can you all hear me? Because they've made me wear this mic. Oh my my gosh, (laughs) what's going on? Unaccustomed as I am to talking, however, friends will tell you otherwise, because I'm quite a chatterbox, so (laughs) people are nodding. (laughs) Um, This is quite a first for me, so obviously I come up sometimes and talk what God's given me, but this to actually talk is quite a huge thing (laughs) for me, so bear with me. So over the coming weeks, over the weeks, we have been looking at the fruits of the Spirit, so I got to choose the spirit and um, one of the fruits, sorry, the spirit, um, and I chose faithfulness. I thought, oh, that'd be easy. It's great. It's easy. Oh, my gosh. How much is in the Bible about faithfulness? I'm like, where do I start? Where do I finish? So I'm going to base it basically around my life as well. So bear with me. You might get a little bit bored. If I see you nodding off, I'll just throw something at you. I'm really good at talking my stuff. And, you know, Mike came up earlier, the one with uh, you're on mute on his T-shirt. Mike came up earlier and he, uh, he came to me and he went, just pretend you're talking to your naughty staff. So you're all my naughty staff. <laughs> However, I talk a lot to families and parents, so, and I do a lot of this. So I apologize <laughs> when you see me waving my arms. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. So, yeah, so faithfulness. So um, I started obviously looking through the Bible and I found um, Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 3. And this is the common English Bible version. So faith is the reality of we what we hope for, the proof of what we don't see. The elders in the past were approved because they showed faith. By faith, we understand that the universe has been created by a word from God so that the visible came into existence from invisible. I just thought that's amazing, isn't it? I've never really read it like that before. And that's why I wanted that version. So, and as I said, throughout the Bible, there is faithfulness constantly. You know, you can name all the big names in the Bible, Abraham, Noah, David, the Apostle Paul, everybody. It was all about faithfulness. So it was faithfulness from their point of view, but mainly from God's point of view. He had them. He had everybody. And he has us. That faithfulness is there for us too. 
So what does faithfulness mean to me? For me, it's not easy. It's not always easy to come straight to God, to to pray to him, especially with those big things. You know, we've all had those big issues over the years. And sometimes I'm a bit, a little bit of a sorter-outer. I'm a rescuer. I'm a, you know, I'm that person that would go straight to all sorts to find out first before I actually go, oh yeah, sorry, God, (laughs) what should I be doing? (laughs) So, and while today, while I was thinking about what I was going to say, how it was going to go, I was thinking, this is going to be a five-minute talk, you know, how can I extend this talk? (laughs) So one of the first things I did, I went to Google, hands up who goes to Google for everything, Dr. Google, Google Maps, recipes, you name it, go straight to Google. So I'm Googling the word faithfulness. What does it mean? All the different versions, faithful to God, faithful to your partner, faithful to, to your job sometimes, occasionally. So, <laughs> so actually, then I thought, why don't we do that with God? Or why don't I do that with God? Why do I Google first? Why don't I go to God first and go... Okay, Lord, what does the word faithfulness mean? You know, so, so it's really interesting that I think we do that as a society. We're quite good at that. Um, over the years, I have learned a lot, and I'm quite young still. I might not look at it, it's because, you know, everybody makes me go grey. But um, I ha- we have been through a lot as a family, as most of you know it within this church. There's been a lot going on over the last couple of years. But also, I was very fortunate to have probably the best parents you could have because they are so faithful to God, Joe and Joyce sitting in the middle there. They are so faithful to God. So my childhood was about being faithful to God. And you know as a teenager, when your parents are saying, yeah, we're going to go and sing on a street corner, or we're going to go to that church and you're going to give a word, you're like, no, whatever, they're wrong. No, never doing that again. So, you know, you fight that, don't you? But actually, at the end of the day, God put me in that family for a reason. And maybe it's just because I came up today, (laughs) but I'm here for a reason. So actually, they gave me that understanding of what faithfulness is about giving everything to God. So there are things that happen in life we have no control over. So it can be a simple thing from a car not working. You know, you get in your car ready for work and the engine doesn't turn over to the hugest of calamities. You know, somebody's poorly, somebody's hurt themselves, you know, you've had a death in the family. And I always think, you know, we don't always look to God for those little things. We look to God for the big things in a panic. We often go, Lord, help me, this has happened, I don't know what to do. You know, when, you go, when you're driving, if you're a driver, you drive and you're going around that block looking for a parking space and you go round and round and round and you go, Lord, I just need that parking space. I've got to do this today. I've got to do that today. I've got to do everything today. And actually then that space is there and how surprised are we by that space? How many times do you go, oh, look at that. There's a space. Yep. Thanks, God. But why are we surprised? Why are we surprised that God is in every single detail of our lives, from those tiny things to the big things? And I think we just have to remember, when you find that parking space or that small thing, remember to thank and worship and praise God in that moment, because actually he saved you at least 10, 15 minutes of running around that block and petrol. So, you know, thank you, Lord. Thank the Lord for that. So as I said, I'm by no means perfect. 
So, but my aim has been, as most Christians, is to look to be faithful to God because God is faithful to us constantly. When you ignore God because you're too busy, when your life takes over, actually, he's still there. He's running in the background. He's there for you. He's with you. When you, you know, sometimes there's days, sometimes there's weeks, and you go, oh, Lord, I forgot to say. Oh, I forgot to ask. And actually, we need to remember to go back, keep going back to God, because he is always there. He is so faithful to us. So there's been quite a few things in my lives, in my life, as in my lives, in my life, as the, the church family are aware. And um, recently, I work for a, a charity, a supposed Christian charity. I wouldn't say it was Christian, but it's a charity. Its basis is Christianity. And um, we are commissioned by the local council to do a job. That job, that contract ended this year. So we had to bid for a new contract. We bid for the new contract and we won it, which is fair because it means we've all got jobs. However, the job is phenomenal. It is way beyond a human, <laughs> what a job that a human can do. I'm a line manager, so I manage a team of, it was 10, it's now gone down to 6. So that reflects on why <laughs> the job is so hard that I'm losing people quite quickly. So I went from doing one job to two jobs. It's the hardest job in the world. When you have a parent that is turns up to a session drunk, when you have a parent that is screaming at you down the phone, when you have abusive emails that they're going to come and find you, when you're, when you, that's what my job has turned into, when you've got a social worker that are so overworked, probably underpaid, but so overworked that they're desperate to get, ask you to do that something for you and do it yesterday rather than now. I felt so overwhelmed. I couldn't turn my laptop on some mornings. I hated Monday mornings. And I love my job, so I've never been like that. I've had a privilege of loving my job. And actually, I just said, God, I can't do it. I cannot do this job. I think I need to leave. I think I need to find another job. I don't know what to do. We were all destroyed. It wasn't just me. It was the whole team, the managers and the frontline workers. And actually just giving that to God and just going, I can't do it, Lord. What am I going to do? Somebody from the church, I can't remember who it was, but somebody from the church came up to me and went, don't give up. Don't give up. It's okay. Don't give up. It's going to be all right. So I'm like, okay. (laughs) I'll stop searching for those jobs. Just through the power of God, before phone calls, before approaching parents, before any of that hassle, just giving it to God and going, this is my day, I don't know my day, you know my day, can you just be with me every single minute of it? And I have to say 100% God has been in it, 100%. Social workers seem to love us for some reason, I don't know why, but it's probably because we're doing that job. (laughs) But it's it's, I can't tell you how amazing. My first experience of my new role was to have three or four in a row abusive texts about how somebody's going to come and get me. He's never met me. He doesn't know me. I've te- I, all I do is email him. So, you know, that put that pressure on me. But that went. God took that away. Now when those emails fly through, I'm like, here you go, God. And then here you go, social worker. <laughs> but <laughs> after, sorry. <laughs> so... 
God's in it. God's absolutely in everything. But we have to trust in God 100%. So when I'm looking at faithfulness, I'm also looking at all the other fruits of the Spirit because actually they all, it's amazing, isn't it? They interconnect beautifully. The biggest thing is patience for me. I, am a, I try to be patient, but I'm not very patient. So um, I have to really pray into that. And trusting not to take over. I'm a very independent woman, as people will tell you. So I have to get things done. But actually, give it to God. Trust God. And that's my plea to all of you, is trust God. He has a plan. He has many plans. But for you, he has a plan. And you need to follow that plan. You need to go with it. Recently, the um, church members here um, actually know recently that we've started a new group. Now, that group started for me years ago. So that came into my mind. It came, God gave to me that I was going to work with and for the church. I had no idea. I work full time. I've got a big family. I've got many grandchildren. I've got lovely elderly parents that I call the oldies that I take everywhere. I, you know, I'm like, yeah. And when's this going to work then? You know, I live mainly on my own. So actually I have to have an income coming in. I can't give up my job. So there was this battle going on. With me, not with God, he was just like, just leave it, it's okay, just bear with me, keep praying into it. So I kept praying into it. I, kept, I, I talked to leaders here, I talked to leaders of regions beyond and others, our family in regions beyond, talked to them, prayed with them, got word from them. And this is before COVID. So, you know, this is when this journey began. So I approached my boss. This was pre the new role, okay? Just like, I approached my boss and I said, I want to give up some of my work hours. I want to work 30 hours a week because I want Fridays off. I don't know why Fridays. That was just the day I got. So I want Fridays off. And she said, no. No, you can't do this job in 30 hours, which is very true. No, you can't do it. And your counterpart, so my equivalent, would also want to have the same sort of treatment. So, you know, no, 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 no way. So I left it, prayed on it, went back to her and said it again. Can I condense my hours? Can I do them in four days? So I do the same hours, I do it in four days instead. And she listened. And you know when you know somebody's listening, she's asking me what it is I want to do for the church. Because obviously that's a witness in itself, isn't it? When you're going to your boss, to your managers, and going, I want to give up some work because I want to work for the church. I think that's, you know, and that's a leap of faith for me because I'm a control freak. So, you know, it's like me leaping out and going, okay, God, this is what I'm going to say. My boss is what she would call herself as a lapsed Catholic. And she still asks me every now and then to say a little prayer. So just say a prayer for me. I try and remind her that she can also pray. But I, don't think, I think she thinks I've got a better connection. I don't think that's true. And she said, okay, let's think about this. Let's see what's going to happen. So it wasn't decided at that point. But when our jobs were transitioning from one to another, she came to me. I did not go back to her. She came to me and said, when you have your one-to-one session about your new role, why don't you talk about your hours? And I thought, well, okay, I'll talk about my hours. I hadn't thought about that. So I went to this one-to-one session. I explained what I wanted to do. I explained it was for the church. And the answer was yes do it so so now I don't work Fridays I'd like a lion really but (laughs) 
But that is God. That is, this has taken years. We're not talking about one year, two years. And then COVID happened. So, and we all know the impact COVID had on all of us. Every single one of us was affected by COVID. And during that COVID time, there was several of us on the worship, I think it was the worship Zoom session, you know, chatting away. And there were three of us. It was me and, and Abby, wherever she's gone, right at the back. She was leading today. Thank you, Abby. And Debbie, who I know is at work today, bless her. So all three of us started talking about a connected thing. We kept saying about post-COVID, what's going to happen? People are so affected emotionally, physically. They've lost people. They've lost their life, some of them. You know, they've lost their jobs. They've lost their homes. We have a homeless crisis on the Isle of Wight. You know, many people don't know that. There are no physical homes for people to move into at the moment. This is a post-COVID world at the moment. So that was our... That was the start of our conversation. So over the last 18 months, I think that's how long, me, Debbie, and Abby have met, and many of you know this because we've already told you this, we've met, we've prayed, we've talked, and Bridges came into fruition. So that's our group on a Friday. At the moment, it's two Fridays a month because we know God wants us to go slowly. But that COVID time, we created policies and plans. We had, we knew how to, we were what we were going to do and what we felt we wanted. We still don't know what God wants. We have no idea what God wants on a Friday. (laughs) It's no idea. We open the doors to our mission hall and we welcome people in. Now, our thoughts are that it's about our community because we want to support our community. We want to be part of the community. But we also, we want them to come to God. That's, my ma- that's what's on my heart. I want those people to walk through that door and over time they become Christians and they, feel, they get what we get. They, I don't know how you survive without God. I absolutely do not know. I told you I could talk a lot. Sorry, I've gone off my notes totally. But <laughs> I just don't know how people survive and I want them to have what we have. I think that's so important. That's on all of our hearts. That's what we want. So even though physically we're going to be helping them and probably emotionally we're going to be helping them, we actually want them to understand the love of God. We want them to know him truly like we know him and have that faith in God that he will sort out their lives for them and heal them back to health just going to read my notes because I forgot where I've got (laughs) I think from my point of view I am coming to an end believe it or not Um, I think for me it's actually keep reminding yourselves God made these promises it tells you that in the Bible on many occasions. He, met, he has never broken a promise, ever. And, you know, that's a huge, huge thing. As human beings, we do break promises all the time, don't we? You know, my granddaughter sometimes says, Oh, Grandma, you promised we'd go up the park. Yeah, but it's raining, so I don't really want to go now. But, you know, we break promises as human beings, but God never, never does. So as God is faithful to us, we need to try and be as faithful as we can to him. Um, in Deuteronomy, um, chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So it's not just for us. 
It's not just for Abraham and his lot. It's for us. It's for our generations. It's for our children and their children's children. We have to keep going with this. We have to keep being faithful and love and believe in God and the truth. I'm going to end with um, a Bible project film. So that's me done. Hopefully, if somebody can hit the lights, that would be great. Thank you, Mike. If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this last characteristic of God. It's the Hebrew word emet, which can be translated as faithfulness or even truth. It's related to another word you've probably heard before, amen, which is an untranslated Hebrew expression meaning that's truth. So emet can mean truth and it can refer to correct ideas or concepts. This is because emet has to do with stability and reliability. Like when Moses holds up his hands for hours to defeat Israel's enemies, the Amalekites. His friends put a rock under him and support his hands so that his hands will remain emet or steady. When emet is used of people, it describes reliable and stable character or trustworthiness. Like when Moses appoints leaders in Israel, they're to be people of emet, people who are trustworthy, who won't take bribes or distort justice. So to say that God is full of emet doesn't just mean that God tells the truth or stands for truth. It means that God is faithful and trustworthy. This is why Moses calls God a rock, saying that he's faithful, just, and upright. He's saying that he can trust God to be consistent to his character. And the Hebrew word for trust is actually the verb form of the word emet. It's he'emin. It can be translated as to believe or to have faith, but most basically it means to consider someone trustworthy or to trust. The first person we meet in the Bible who considers God to be trustworthy is Abraham. God makes a promise that Abraham and his wife Sarah will have a huge family and that through them, all nations will experience God's blessing. But Abraham and Sarah are really, really old, and they've never been able to have any children. And yet, in the face of these challenges, Abraham means God. He considers God trustworthy to open a way forward. And God does show Emet to Abraham and Sarah. In just four generations, their descendants form a whole nation called Israel. And God invites Israel into a trusting and faithful relationship. And when God leads them out of slavery in Egypt, Israel means in God. They trust and rely on him. But when they come to the land God promised to Abraham, and they find out it's filled with giant cities protected by giants, their trust in God's Emet fails. But eventually, we meet an Israelite who does trust God in the face of giants. It's David. He yells at the giant, You come with a sword and a spear, but I come with the name of the God of Israel. David consistently relies on God. In fact, it said that David walked in Emet before God. So David considers God to be faithful and responds with faithfulness. This is why God promises to raise up a faithful descendant of David, whose kingdom will endure forever, or in Hebrew, have emet. This faithful king will become the source of trust and stability for others forever. But when the kingdom later collapses, the Israelites find themselves without a home and without a king. 
And they cry out, Oh God, where is your loyal love that you swore to David in your Amet? They're accusing God of abandoning his promises to Abraham and to David. Is God trustworthy? Is he faithful after all? The first line of the New Testament is an answer to that question. This is the lineage of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In other words, through Jesus, God fulfills his promises. Or as Paul says, Jesus came on behalf of God's faithfulness. He is the faithful king whose kingdom will endure forever and who invites all nations to trust God. Now, trusting anyone is risky. It's hard to know if anyone is really full of emet. But the biblical story portrays a God who's been faithful all along and whose promises were fulfilled in the story of Jesus. And so as we look out at the obstacles facing us and our world, we're invited to take that same risk and join Abraham, David, and the people of God in trusting that God is overflowing with faithfulness. Thanks so much, Kay. Um, I just I just love that here we have Kay speaking of faithfulness and she's pointing back to her parents who showed that faithfulness as she's encouraging us to, to go forward in faithfulness. That faithfulness, and even in this that Bible project, they show us that faithfulness is something that is, is, is carried on. Um, so with that in mind, I want to say to you, go out with the faithfulness of God on you and be faithful to those that God has given you uh, influence over. And we'll be back here at the same time next week. Be blessed and have a great week. See you guys.